in Acts chapter 13 today. So you can open to that if you'd like on your devices or if you have one of these old-fashioned paper copies of the Bible. Uh, and I'm going to, we're going to go ahead and read through uh, this a little bit lengthy chapter, verse, or, uh, chapter 13 uh, of Acts. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend, friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Barjesus. He was with the proconsul. Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions set sail for, from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia, Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading the, from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up. And motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, you, are, you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the, in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had, been, when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, to whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me, one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, 
son of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up from him for, with him from Galilee, Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us through children by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he, spoke, he has spoken in this way. I give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm. <laughs> I thought about abbreviating that, but I was like, man, this, this sermon by, by Paul is just so good, right? Praise the Lord. We have, uh, we have a God who is a sending God. We have a God who is a sending God. Abraham. He sent Abraham to this promised land. 
Moses was sent to, to, to help the Israelites escape Egypt. Joshua was sent into the promised land. Jonah was sent to Nineveh. The prophets were sent to the people of Israel. The disciples were sent to declare and be a witness for Jesus. We have a God who is a sending God. He's an agitator, an antagonist. He's a disruptor. He, he, he's a God who's imaginative, a, a visionary, a, a dreamer. He's a God who's a motivator, an inspirer, and an initiator. He is always expanding, always growing, always multiplying. And his church should be like him. I think so often we, especially in America, can see Christianity as being just a lifestyle to make our life here in America better. We can often think that it's just about, you know, us, you know, kind of having this, you know, fire insurance of heaven, but also, you know, yeah, we believe that Jesus is real. We believe this and, and it's just, but he, he just wants me to be here. He just, he just wants me to be comfortable. He just wants me to be re in rest. No, no, no. He's an agitator. He stirs things up. He disrupts things. He's growing. He's moving. He's sending. Maybe we're not sent to the, to the, to the other part of the world. Maybe he's, we're just sent across the street. But we must understand as Christians that we worship a God who is a sending and active God. And if he is a sending God, then we all are sent. We see here in this passage in Acts 13. I mean, it could have been easy, I think, for Paul and Barnabas and for the other disciples. I mean, they're in Antioch. Things are going well. The, you know, the church is growing. Things are happening there. It's, it's good. They're, have, they're having a great you know, time together. And they're together and they're praying and they're worshiping and they're fasting. And it could have been really easy for them. You know, let's just be here. Prior to this, we, we've seen the church move into Samaria and even into the Gentile world because of persecution. But that's not the only way that God has moved his people. Here he steps in, in the time of fasting and prayer with his disciples, with his people, he speaks and says, set aside Barnabas and Paul for me. I've got a work for them to do. I've got a job for them to do. I've got a place for them to go. I am sending them. Have you heard his call? When we understand that God is ascending God, then that means that we come to him expecting that he will send us too. We come to him listening, worship and prayer. You know, sometimes I don't want to, you know, big churches, sometimes people that go to really big churches, they do so because they don't want to have a personal encounter. Not just with other people, but because they don't want to have a personal encounter with a God who sins. Because that's dangerous. But even us in small churches can try to hide from God. 
try to just kind of, you know, don't want to get too involved in the church. Don't want to get too involved with Jesus because who knows what he's going to do. I've read scripture. I've seen what he's done. He sent other people. I don't want him to send me. I really like my life. Are we listening? Are we open to his call? Are we seeking his call? Are we unafraid? Are we willing? Are we bold? Are we courage? Have the courage to step into his presence and say, okay, God, send me. I'm ready. If you want me, I'm available. Too many of us assume that, well, on the other side, you know, some of us are trying to avoid it, but I think on the other, other side of that, there's, there's too many of us that assume that he's not going to call them. Uh, the call of God to go is just for some. It's just for those missionaries that go overseas. It's just, it's just for some. It's not for everyone. God's called all of us to himself, but he doesn't send us. He doesn't send everyone. He just sends some. No, he sends us all. And so we have to come listening, expecting, and waiting that he is going to send us too. And if you haven't experienced him sending you yet, perhaps you're not listening. But it's not just listening. We also have to be available. In America, especially, I think it's really easy for us to get really busy. We're so busy, we don't have time for him to send us. We lock our lives up in the things of this world. We, we lock ourselves up financially by buying these bigger homes than we probably should have bought, buying these nicer cars than we probably should have bought. You know, getting credit card debt beyond what we probably should have got, right? And we get all of this bound up and all of this debt, and then we have to continue to work and continue to pursue that promotion so that we can make more money so that we can pay for what we've already spent. And so we get locked up, and where is God? Now when God calls and says, hey, I want you to just quit your job and go for it, we're like, uh, that's not really a possibility because we've locked ourselves in. Are we available? And it's not just financial, right? Sometimes we lock ourselves into relationships as well. We, we love it when people need us. And so we lock ourselves into all these needy relationships where it, we, I can't leave. I can't step away. No, my, my kids need me or my family needs me. My parents need me. My, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't care for our family. Don't get me wrong. But we need to be careful that we allow for an availability. That we would be able to hear the call because we're listening, but also be available course the third step in that is that we have to answer the call <laughs> many of us have heard the call many of us are available for the call but many of us don't answer the call we're afraid to follow his lead we create too many obstacles we start coming up with all the excuses why we can't I'm not educated enough. I'm not trained enough. I don't know enough. I haven't been, you know, Christian long enough. I haven't done, I mean, I, you know, I've got this. I got these people that are dependent on me. I got all, you know, again, we come up with all these excuses. You know, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to need this much money. I'm going to need to have this kind of situation. I'm going to need to have this support. I'm going to have to do, you know, there's so, this is impossible. God, there's no way. We're willing to answer the call. I think we make following Jesus way too complicated. It really is simple. Now, we live in a complicated world, and so maybe it feels more difficult. But do you notice, like, the disciples, like, when Jesus called them, like, they're out in the boat, that's their, like, that's how they make money, right? That's how they survive. 
He says, hey, come follow me. And I'm like, yeah, sweet, let's go. What? What's gonna, now, maybe they probably did some things, you know, taking care of this or that or whatever. But no, they just, like, they just went. They didn't worry about, you know, where they're going to get money or what they're going to do or how they're going to make this work. They just, they just went. They just followed Jesus. You know, I think that's sometimes we, we just need to follow Jesus. Now, maybe that feels awkward and out of place and, and difficult because of our complex world. But it really is simple. Matthew eleven thirty. I think I have this passage, uh, Micah, if you want to put it up. Uh, it's a, a quick um, passage. I think 29 and 30 is what I have. But, you know, it's just the idea that, you know, he says, come to me, you who are weary, right? And I will give you rest. Make, take my yoke upon me and I, because I am good. Where's the passage? I need that passage. No passage yet. Passage. Not that passage. Different passage. Different passage. Anyway. You guys know it, right? I mean, my yoke is easy. That's the end. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, right? To walk with Jesus is easy, right? It is, it's easier than this world. There it is. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. There's, that's what I was missing. Gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. We make it too complicated. I'm not saying it doesn't take sacrifice. But to follow the Lord just takes obedience. Just saying yes. Hearing the call, being available, having room in our life to follow the call, and then choosing to follow. Now, another piece on, on following God's call, I, I think is, uh, there's, uh, God's been teaching me a lot of this, but I, I think we have to be confident as well. Um, I know when I came to this church, like I was just filled with, and I've talked about this many times, but, but you know, I just filled with a lot of, um, uh, you know, just, not, conf- not confident in what I was doing and that I could do this thing that God has called me to. And obviously I couldn't, right? I needed him, right? And, and, but, but, we, but we have this tendency to, uh, to think that, you know, our weakness somehow keeps God from fulfilling what he wants to do. And, and we have to walk with confidence. You know, I remember uh, in uh, 2020, at the beginning of 2020 in February, God gave me uh, 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 Joshua 1.6 is my passage uh, for that year. And, and he doesn't always do this, but that year he did it. And, uh, and, and I at first didn't know, it was in February, so I didn't know what it meant by this. But he said, in Joshua 1.6 says, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. That's in February. In March, COVID breaks out, goes crazy. And then in like July, the Lord brings me back to this verse. Because I was in the midst of COVID. I'm like, Lord, I've been a lead pastor for like two or three years now. And you throw this at me? I mean, seriously, how do you lead through this? There is no way. And yet he gave me this passage because he said, I want you to be confident in who I have created you be. I have called you for such a time as this. So stop being stressed about making the wrong decision and lead as you feel you should lead and I will be with you in it. And and we do this too often. We get called by God and we begin to make excuses why we can't just do it. Or we start complaining to God like, what was going on? No, just leave. We need to have confidence. He knew who we were when he called us. He knew exactly who we were and he knew our strengths. He knew our weaknesses. He knows already what we're, how we're going to fail and we're going to mess up, but he has accommodated for all of it. 
And so when God calls us, whether it's on the mission field uh, abroad or whether it's across the, the street to our neighbor, we don't have to go, oh yeah, but I don't know, I don't know this, but I don't know this. I don't. No, we walk with confidence that, the, that he knows what he's doing, that he knows what's going to come to our mind and when we get asked that question. And the answer we're going to give may not be what the scholars would give, but it's exactly what that person needs. And even the mistakes we make when we answer it cor- incorrectly, God is going to use it in the heart of our neighbor to turn them to Jesus. Jesus. That's how he works. That's what he does. And so when we get called, we have to have that confidence to walk. Don't let weaknesses and our sinfulness uh, uh, keep us from walking with confidence in what he's going to do. We need to be humble, certainly. We need to be repentant, certainly. But we don't need to allow, don't, we can't allow weakness and sinfulness to keep us from following God's will. And we don't need to be like someone else. We don't need to be like that great missionary or evangelist. We don't need to be like that great pastor and leader. We don't need to be like that other great mom. We don't need to be like that other great dad. We don't need to be like anybody else. God has called us to parent these kids. God has called us to lead this church. God has called us to go to this city, to this country, and this people group. And so we go and allow him to be the one that we follow. Allow him to be the model. There are too many, you know, leadership books are great and we should, you know, we should, I've read a lot of them and, and there's some good stuff in them, but we, I think we have a tendency, I want to change a little bit, for a season, for an era, those leadership books, I think, were very important and God blessed churches and pastors and other businesses and families or whatever that followed those principles. However, we should always be ready for God to lead us individually and even corporately as a church into things that don't fit the leadership models, that don't fit the best practices of how to do this or how to do that. We, when God calls us, we have to see him and follow him and him alone. I love Paul in this passage. He's an example of, in Acts 13, of this, this boldness, this confidence of walking as, the, as he is. I mean, he faces this magician, right? And, and Paul just calls it the way he sees it, right? There, there's no hesitation in this. Like, you, you have this passage where you see, he looks at him intently, and he's like, ah, you know what? You're son of a devil. You're yeah, bad. Yeah. Matter of fact, you're going to be blind for a while, right? You know, because you. Now, I'm not saying God didn't speak through Paul and give him those words and give that perspective, but he just with confidence steps out and proclaims that to this guy. I mean, would we do that? Would I do that? Oh my gosh, I don't know that I could do that. You're going to be blind for a while. No, not you, Don. You're you're a great guy. That's not nice. That's just not nice. I'm sorry. You're just right there. Right? I mean, would we have the boldness to do that? I think sometimes we, we, we shy away. Same with the Pharisee or the Jews later on, right? I, I love it. I love it. It's kind of like, well, since you guys deemed yourself unworthy of this great salvation, I'm going to the Gentiles. Come on, guys. Right? I mean, he just, he's bold in it. Like, can you imagine? Like, he's basically saying all of it, you know, his, his people, his family. He's like saying, hey, you guys don't want it? There's somebody else who does. I'm out. Right? Boldness. Like, just, he's confident. 
He's not like second guessing himself, and so often we do. As soon as we face any kind of tension in the call, anytime we say face any kind of you know criticism in the call, we're like, oh, well, maybe I did it wrong, maybe I heard wrong, maybe I, oh, what am I doing? Oh, what do I do? No, just go with boldness. God's called you. Be confident in that. Trust that even if you make a mistake, He will use it for His glory and to bless you. Point one. Point two, there's only two points today, so that's good. <laughs> Point two, sending. Uh, that's good. Hallelujah. The other side of this, it's not just us hearing the call and going, but we also we have a responsibility to send. Notice the church in Antioch didn't hesitate to lay hands on Paul and Barnabas, the leaders. I mean, can, can you imagine, like Paul, like having him in your church, dude? Yeah. We're winning, right? I got Paul in my church. This is awesome. Hey, Paul, can you preach this week? Yeah, no problem. I got it. Yeah, you're amazing. Oh, my God, you're so much better than me. Right? I mean, we're like, this is amazing, right? You have Paul and Barnabas in your church. Barnabas, you know, encouragement, right? Ah, man, everybody wants to have a Barnabas in their life, right, in their church, right? And God says, hey, set them aside. I'm going to send them somewhere else. What? No, no. Sending is also part of being a part of God's kingdom. He is a sending God. And a sending God needs people who are willing to go, but who are also willing to send with him. As a church, we need to have a, and, and I will say this, I think too, as our homes and our families, we need to s- develop and create a sending atmosphere. Matthew 9 um, 37, we might have this one. Yes, you're the man. Look at that. Uh, we were actually supposed to read this for a responsive reading, but it didn't happen today, so that's okay. Uh, anyway, so then he said to his disciples, Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord for the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. We need to set an atmosphere of sending. We need to pray as a church and as a family, that God would send laborers, not to us, but from us. We need to be sending. And we need to create the expectation that this church, this community, our family is a sending family. That we are people who are expecting that God is going to raise up his people here in this church and he's going to take them to the world. We need to have the expectation that people in this church will come and go. I think you actually our history at Trinity Alliance Church, I've only known you know, personally the last six years, but from what I've heard in the past years as well, this is a, you know, a, this, this is a transient church. We've had a lot of people that have come, and then a lot of people have gone. Now, not necessarily on to missions. Sometimes they go on to other churches, or they go on to different communities, or they just move across the states or whatever. But anyway, but this is a transient community, right? There's a lot of mix. There's some of us that have been here a long time, and then there's others that, you know, it's just kind of we're new and in and out, right? But we should be a, a church that expects that. We should expect that people are going to come for a, uh, for a season, and then they're going to go. And that we should celebrate the call when someone receives it. 
We need to celebrate them going, and we need to celebrate us getting to send them. We have one that we've sent among us even this morning, Sarah Lawhorn. What a privilege. Now, she came for a short period of time, and then God sent her. He, she got that call. She got that mission, and we as a church got to come alongside her in that. And I hope we can continue to do that and more, even more fully as time goes on. But it's not just the Sarahs. There's so many more. We need to learn as a church how to connect quickly and deeply. So many of us are so guarded relationally. And there's understandable. We've been hurt in relationship. People are jerks, right? <laughs> people, people are not nice sometimes, and it's, it's painful. But we have to, again, if, we have, uh, if, we're, if we're connected with Jesus, and that's where our reliance is, relationally, we know we're loved because of him, not because of how other people treat us. We know that we're loved because we're in intimacy with him. That will help us. But we need to be able to quickly dive in and deeply dive in with people right away. If you're new to our church, let's get to know each other. Let's dive in. If you've only been in our church for a couple of months, let's go. Come on, let's dive in. And maybe you have, maybe some of you have. I know I've met some of the new folks, and we had a great time at family camp getting to know some of the newer families more deeply, right? But we need to do it quickly. Don't wait around. Don't wait several years. Don't wait several months. Let's dive in right now. We don't know how long we're going to have together. So let's, continue, let's dive in, get to know each other, d develop that intimacy with one another, come to understand, be vulnerable with one another, share our hearts, share our struggles, share our, you know, our sin if we need to, right? Share and be accountable to one another. As ascending church, we need to be people who are encouraging and, and empowering people to go. Romans 10, 13 through 15, familiar passage. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How many people in this church have beautiful feet? You want to see mine? Not right now. Inappropriate, I know, I'm sorry, I crossed the line. Um, we need to call this out in people. We need to allow God to use us in calling those around us on mission with him. Which means that we have to see people. We have to know them. And as we get to know them, we call out the gifts that we see in them. You know, we think sometimes, you know, I, I struggle, I, this is me, like, I struggle with encouragement. I'm not the great encourager, right? You know, like, sometimes I struggle, you might, might recognize that with my preaching. But anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, like, I struggle with that encouragement side of, you know, calling life into people. And the Lord's really been pushing me on that, like, I got to do that more. But, you know, some people, we think it's really hard. No, it's not hard. It's about identifying the good things, the beautiful things, the God things that are in people, and then speaking it out, making it public, using our voice, and saying it to them. Not just to the air, but to them, right? And, and so we need, to be, we need to be open to God calling someone else into, onto the mission field through us. I remember as a youth pastor, 
You know, God would every once in a while identify a, a young person in my church, and I'm like, I think God's calling that. And so I would just start having conversations with them, saying, have you ever thought about going into ministry? I just see really these giftings in you. I see what you can do. I see these, this amazing uh, power that you have that God has given you, right? And I think you should consider about and pray about it, right? Are we doing that as a church? Is it something we normally do? individually with others calling out the good calling out the the beauty calling out the characteristics the gifts that we see in them are we willing to accept when someone when god calls someone from within us again are we, are we willing to let them go oh man they're great they really they're really in charge of a whole bunch of stuff though there's a lot of ministry there involved are we willing to let them go are we willing to say, okay, God's calling you, let's go. And here's the, here's the real kicker. Are we willing to let him go even if we don't see it? Or we disagree? God's not calling you to that. <laughs> no. I'm sorry, but as a youth pastor for 20 years, I saw too many parents that stifled their kids' call from God by saying, no, that, you can't go. No, you can't go to Peru. <laughs> No, that, no that's, just, you, that's too much. That's too expensive. It's too, that's not a good time for us. You've got a lot of summer stuff planned. Right? I mean, we do this as a church, though, as well with people. Somebody comes up, and they're all excited. They feel like God's calling them certain say, eh, Oh, that's great. Uh, uh. Oh, wow. I knew a young lady, um, still know a young lady, uh, just a great, young she's just she's not as maybe as young as she used to be she was i knew her when she was like 18 and and again still know her today but she um had just this heart for jesus and heard the voice of the lord so clearly and she was you know felt like god was calling her missions and all these and so she she just go, went on all these different missions and uh it, it was but but there's one thing about her that was kind of like oh Oh, I don't know about this. She was super, super, like, just gullible. She was just so, so sweet. She just had no ability to really read what was going around. I mean, <laughs> I took advantage of it way too many times. Um, but she was just very, very, like, she was just not, she didn't get what was, she didn't get signal. she didn't see what was going on around her. And so she was just very, very, again, gullible, right? And there were uh, several people that I know when she felt called to Tijuana, they're like, um... I don't think that's a good place for you, you know, kind of thing, right? And, and I get that, right? I, I sensed it myself as well. But here's the thing that I think the Lord taught me through this. Like, you know, basically one day he said, he said Sean, he says, be very careful about stepping in and being a hindrance to my call on somebody else's life. We are responsible to respond to the call when he calls us individually. They are just as responsible. And our job is certainly be there to help them, support them, encourage them. Instead of saying, uh, I don't think you should go to Tijuana, we should say, hmm, how can we help to make sure that that's a good experience for you? Like, we feel like God's calling you, right? Let's, let's figure that out. Let's make this work. And, and the great thing, I mean, this gal was just like, she didn't care. She's just like going. Like, and she went. And it was amazing. And it's not that she never had some difficult times on the mission field, but God used it. We have to trust the sovereignty of God, that he is responsible for our safety, 
and that he is able to bless and to teach and to protect. And even if something bad were to happen, again, he's the great redeemer. He can turn that bad thing into something beautiful. As a church, we need to be we need to create a sending atmosphere and we need to be ready to encourage and empower those who are going, who have been called. And we also need to be ready to commission our missionaries by laying on of hands, anointing them for the mission, empowering them, and also paving the way for them through regular prayer. And then we also need to put our money where our heart is and we need to support, especially those that are going overseas financially as best we can as the Lord directs. I find this message, of course, uh, relevant for us as a church because uh, in recent uh, weeks, I feel like the Lord um, is, that's part of what the Lord is preparing us for. That we, that he is preparing us to be a sending church. Now, I'm not saying that we've, we don't currently do some of that, but it, it, we've, we've just kind of scratched the surface. Um, I, I, my sense, and again, it, this is still early on, and the Lord hasn't given a lot of stuff about this yet, but, I, I, but, I, but I, my, my recent senses from the Lord is that he's talking about us becoming a sending station, or a hub where he brings people to us. And we train, empower, encourage, lay hands on, and then we send them, praying for them and even supporting them financially. Not with our, necessarily even our funds, our money, but the funds, the money that he's going to bring in to make that happen. And so I think we're going to be a sending station. We're going to be a place where people can tra be trained and empowered and sent. It's going to be a place where, again, God is going to draw. We, we're not going to have to necessarily advertise so much as God's just going to draw people to us. And that God is going to help us to equip them. And then he's going to help us to send them. My sense is that TAC is going to be used by God to build his kingdom, not just in Reading, but around the world. And that's going to require all of us to embrace going and sending that this would be who we are as a church that we would have expectation that god is going to call us maybe it is across the waters the oceans or maybe it's just across the street but we would expect that when we go to prayer when we spend time in fasting when we're here on sunday mornings worshiping maybe even this morning god may at any time step in and call us and say hey it's time for you to go and that we would also, as a church, do our best to create a space with the power of the Holy Spirit to be ascending church. 
that is so focused on sending that people will come in grand numbers, not to make a huge church, don't get me wrong, but to come in grand numbers so that they can be trained, so that they can be empowered, because maybe somebody else won't train them. Maybe they don't have the education that they need. Maybe they don't have this, but we're going to give it to them here. And as they come and they receive that training, as they have that call from God affirmed in them, then we will send them out. And we will send them out with not just prayer, but again, with the money to be able to go, to not have to worry about that, to know that they are taken care of and that we have people here that continue to think about them and care for them and stay in contact with them and love on them even when they're on the mission field. We are going to be ascending church. That's where I feel like God is calling us. And as ascending church, we will, we will go as well. Amen. All right, worship team, why don't you come on up. Are you listening and are you available for God to call you? Have you ever thought that maybe God might call you? Are you hiding because you're afraid he will? <laughs> like, like Jonah, right? Oh, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. No, no, I'm not doing that. And let me ask you this as well. I think as we begin to think more fully about being ascending church, who are you currently supporting through prayer and finances? What are the missionaries that you are currently coming alongside and caring for? Whether they're in our church specifically or came out of our church specifically or not. I mean, what are, who are the missionaries? Are you already doing that? Awesome. If you're not, why not? Maybe God's calling you to step into that as well. Our God is ascending God. And if we are going to be his church, we do the things that he does. Amen? Will you stand with me and let's uh, spend some time in worship together with song. And as we do so, I, I do ask and encourage you to reflect on this. Maybe there is someone in here that's feeling called today, feeling like God's stepping in, or maybe he's already been doing it, and now it's just kind of like been highlighted, and you go, okay, okay, I get it. And so if that's you, um, come forward. We want to pray for you. Sometimes the first step of following God's call is to verbalize it, to say it to somebody else. And so maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Um, if you're struggling with just, you know, embracing the idea of being called, then maybe you need prayer for that as well. And we would love to pray for you to come alongside you in that and pray that uh, he would help you to have the courage to ask, Lord, are you calling me? And that you'd have the courage to listen and then to go if he is. All right, church, let's continue to worship together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are faithful. Lord, we started this service with communion, remembering what you've done for us. And in that uh, commitment, as we partook of the body and the blood of Jesus, Lord, we, we made a commitment again to, to be living sacrifices for you. Lord, you are ascending God. Lord, help us 
So often we, we just want things to be the same. So often we, we just want things to get comfortable. So often we just want to kind of get in a routine. And so often we want to just, to just kind of just do life for a while. And yet it's true. You are a God who's always growing, always multiplying, always changing us in some way. And, and you're a God who sends and you call us. So, Lord, help us to let go of the comforts of this world, let go of that routine that we think we want, let go of all of this world has to offer, and instead open up our hearts and our minds and our lives for you to call us, knowing that great is your faithfulness, that you, you'll bless us that the best place is always going to be right in the middle of your call and your will and for our life. Lord, I thank you for, for the life of Jesus, which is an example for us. But also, I just love the things that he teaches us in, um, in his word and how, Lord, we can glean from them his interactions with, with uh, his disciples and we can take them for ourselves as well. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6 and following, Jesus says, in verse 7 and following, he says, Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the, land of, uh, for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to, count, to courts and flog you in the synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father is child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all of my name for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor servant above his master. It is enough for disciples to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Now bear with me. This is a longer chapter, but we need it all because Jesus is speaking to his disciples as he sends them out. So have no fear of them, for there is nothing is covered, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed 
or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim it on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, for rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. And it continues, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue to worship in here. If you would like to stay and continue to to do so, we encourage you to do so. If you would like to head out into the fellowship hall and worship by getting to know uh, and have conversations with others, then please do so and just let the doors close behind you. If you like prayer, please come forward for prayer. We would love to pray for you. Also, uh, we have a a bulletin uh, or an insert about uh, men's barbecue that you'll get on the way out as well. So make sure you grab one of those. Thank you for being here today. God bless you.